When you're feeling down, when you're feeling blue, what do you do, Coop? McFarland. McFarland. Uh, Thank you, the fine folks. <laughs> oh, uh, just it feels it feels better for a couple seconds. Yell McFarland. Yeah. So I wanted to yell uh, McFarland at uh, <laughs> Adam Beck. I'm sure yeah. that's what Corey was shouting. So we'll get to that in a second. So this is uh, the Bradfoe Show, powered by good friends at McFarland Energy. Um, you know, we hearken for better times, Coop. We hearken for better times. You we, know, we thought we had seen it. Yeah, and so we did the I did the podcast earlier in the week. It was a distraction podcast where we did everything but what was actually going on with the Red Sox. We did the next great superstar, Miguel Blaze. We did Alex Verdugo pitching. We did uh, Michael Kopech, who, by the way, oh my goodness, now he's leading the majors in ERA. All of that. It was a good distraction. It got people's minds away. Then the Red Sox win the first game in Atlanta. They feel a little bit better about things, but then they lose. And now they still have only won one series. But for a better, um, for a better thought process, for a better vibe, for a better time, we hearken uh, back to days of yore when, when it felt like the Red Sox were going to win every day. That would have been 2018. And a big part of the 2018 team is the guy that's on our podcast, um, so Coop, before we get into the, the meat and potatoes, the nuts and bolts, the damage that was done in a bad way to the Red Sox in the series finale in Atlanta, I bring you, I'm going to bring you my interview with one, the, the elusive, the reclusive Mitch Moreland, right? Everyone's wondering uh, where is needed. Mitch Moreland? Where is Mitch Moreland? Well, you know, if they only had Mitch Moreland, we answer where is Mitch Moreland and all kinds of other questions in this interview with, you know who? Mitch Moreland? Mitch Moreland. Oh, no kidding. Okay, so uh, so Mitch, what are you up to? Uh, not much, you know. Uh, kind of hanging out at the house and uh, coaching a little 9U baseball with uh, my oldest and getting to watch my, my four-year-old who started this year with some uh, coach pitch and then uh, – my daughter's doing gymnastics, so they're keeping us pretty busy. But uh, <laughs> just trying to enjoy that time that I hadn't had in the past, you know. So give, if you could just sort of give me your mindset of uh, coming into this year when you finished last year, you know, what what was your thinking, how th- everything panned out? Yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm not real sure, you know, uh, kind of how it went down. Uh, obviously – you know, I knew with the lockout and stuff, everything was going to be kind of hectic. And, uh, you know, you saw some guys fly off the board pretty early. And then, you know, once it uh, opened back up, it seemed like it moved pretty fast. And, uh, you know, just for me personally, never really got an opportunity with anybody. And, uh, you know, it, at this point in my my career, it wasn't like it, it hurt my feelings a whole lot because I've, uh, you know, I've got a lot of family here and, uh trying to catch up on some family time so i've done that as well but um you know i don't really know where i stand right now i couldn't couldn't tell you but uh it was uh 
you know, it was definitely a, a pretty hectic off season, but uh, I've enjoyed my off time at the same time. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? I mean, it's like talking to Brock about this, too, is that it's great. I mean, you're getting a chance to do stuff that you've never had as an adult, as a parent. You know, it's it's pretty crazy. But, you know, at the same time, I would imagine, you know, you still want to stay in shape. You know, in the off season, you were probably eyeing staying in shape and, and had things you know, going in a way that you, you didn't know where it was going to go. Nobody knew where it was going to go because of the lockout. This must be a little conflicting for you. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And to be honest, I thought I would have more opportunities than what were, were presented. But, you know, that's out of my control. Um, so, I'm, like I said, it my feelings aren't hurt <laughs> by any means because I get to spend every weekend with my kids and – uh you know, something I've never been able to do, uh, you know, be at home during the summer and, uh, you know, or springtime or whatever it is and uh, do a little fishing, um, you know, just trying to, I get to cut grass, hadn't been able to do that in a long time, you know, <laughs> little stuff like that that you don't realize that you're missing, but you but you do once you get out here and, and you're able to do it. But, uh, you know, it's just, it's been a blast uh, just spending a little more time with family, uh, but I mean... Did, did I think there would be an opportunity? I, I did, you know, but it just didn't seem to didn't seem to work out. The obvious question for around here is: Did you think there might be a fit with the Red Sox? Um, I didn't know. You know, you can't ever tell with guys' plans. You you can look at it and say that there's a fit here or there, but uh, obviously every team's got their plans and their uh, and their ideas. So. Uh, I mean, I, I love that place. You know, it's it's probably it's a favorite play, my favorite place I played, and uh, you know, I'm pretty sure that's everybody knows that. And uh, you know, it was definitely a, a unbelievable experience getting to uh, be a part of be a part of just the Red Sox uh, organization uh, and the culture and, and just that fan base. And obviously, you know, winning a World Series there is something that's the highlight of my career so far. So. I mean, it's uh, you know nothing but respect for those guys, and and sure, I would have loved to be there, you know, have an opportunity again. But like I said, that's you know, it's not my plans that matter. It's it's, it's they're the ones that make those decisions. You know, what another thing that you know I had talked to Brock about about sort of the way that baseball's going, the valuing, you know, like you know, one of the great things you know, along with hitting home runs and and doing everything you did, playing great first base, but being a clubhouse presence, being a guy, being the foundation guy. You know, I feel like baseball sometimes, you know, when we look at teams, they're, they're, they're projecting so much, right? Do, I mean, do you get that sense that, they, that maybe teams aren't valuing this like they should be? I, I'll just say, like, I think that they aren't. So I don't know if, if you had noticed a change there's, in that. There's no doubt. I've been – kind of vocal about that the probably the latter half of my career that I feel like you know it's not all the uh you know the projections anymore the hit grade or the field grade or whatever it is like I mean all that's great and 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 I'm sure it helps with with developing a good team but at the same time you've got to have you've got to have guys that that are you know, going to create that culture in the clubhouse and be able to 
help the team turn it around if they've you know lose a, a tough series or or they're on a tough stretch. I mean, one of the best that I ever played with was Michael Young at that. I mean, mm-hmm. that guy he would come in and and tell everybody, look, you know, they kicked our ass today, but let's pick it up, let's go out tomorrow. We got a fresh series and let's win this series. And it just seemed like it kind of took pressure off everybody. Just little stuff like that. Guys that aren't afraid to kind of step up and say something and uh you know i definitely feel like it's kind of been a dying breed in the game um the last few years but hopefully we can get get back to that a little bit more and uh and and get that part of it that kind of winning culture uh preached around around the game a little bit more could i give you an example and and you tell me if i'm right or wrong is that so talking to um to joe kelly about you know his fight club his tyler austin brawl right right and he said that you guys had a meeting after and you were like you were, i mean you were he signaled he he identified you as one of the guys that took the right approach to it so hey listen guys like we have to approach this the right way when we get into a, a scrap like this i mean do you remember that um maybe maybe not i i mean we i've just been on both sides of it i've uh I feel like I've been on teams that kind of handled that the wrong way and handled that the right way. You know, that's also a part of the game that seems like it's going away, but I feel like it's needed at times, you know, just to kind of keep keep everybody grounded, keep teams in check. And, uh, you know, that's definitely something that I feel like, you know, is important. You There's there's a way to handle it. And, uh, you know, just you've got to do it the right way. And uh, Yeah, and I, I didn't mean to just say, like, that's – Huh? No, no, and I don't mean to just like say, hey, you know, like you're you're leading the charge in terms of fighting. But I just mean about leading. I mean, like I thought you were a great leader, you know. Right. And right. and I think well, I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's I think that that's to to your point. Like I think that and and you know when people this is why there's no captains in baseball. And again, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you have to have four or five guys at all corners of the clubhouse to be that mindset right because you know different different you know languages different positions everything i thought that you sort of was a great example of someone who who was such an important part of the clubhouse i'll definitely agree with you on that as far as you know it seems like you get a guy that can lead the outfield charge a guy that can lead the infield charge a guy that can uh, you know the starting pitchers that's going to hold everybody accountable. Bullpen guys, keep everybody in check and ready to go and in, in the right mindset. I mean, you get guys like that, like you said, four or five guys. And I mean, even if you get you know two or three that can talk to everybody and and keep everybody and and just give respect, but also get respect back from each other is uh, that's huge for teams. And uh, you know, I feel like I feel like guys you know, kind of go in and out of that, or teams go in and out of that. And, um, you know, you look at a team like the Dodgers, I, I never played for them, but I have to expect that, you know, um, they've got guys that step up because they're in it every year. They've found a way, even with some moving parts, and obviously they've got a very talented team. But, you know, year in, year out, they're in the mix. Uh, the Cardinals, year in, year out, you look at those guys, they've got – Yadier Molina, who's going to hold everybody accountable, yep. and Adam Wainwright, who holds everybody accountable. And every year, you look at the end of the year, and the Cardinals are in it every year, you know. Mm-hmm. So, like, those – I mean, those are some examples of that. And uh, I definitely think it's a huge part of the game. The, well, how was it when 
it was such a weird year in 2020. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, when you get traded and it's like, you know, it, that, that, I mean, that, that just life at Fenway Park and with the Red Sox, it just wasn't, it's just you know, almost, you have to erase that. But how different was it like when you switch organizations, like you said, you were so ingrained in the Red Sox, like community and what everybody, like everybody loved, like that you were part of like all the successes and everything else. How difficult was it to be dealt uh, looking back now, I think it was harder on me than what I thought it was at the time. Um, just moving in season, you know, mid season, something I'd never done. Uh, I played a while, but I never, never experienced that. So that was kind of new for me. Um, and you know, it wasn't hard. Uh, San, uh, San Diego accepted me with open arms. They were great. Like love the guys, love playing there. But you know, I was, it seemed like I just kind of just locked in with with Boston so much that when I got there, I was like, oh, man, I got to start over, you know. <laughs> and by the time I felt like I was just getting comfortable, it seemed like the season was over. And I was like, well, <laughs> I, guess, I, guess I, I guess that's done, you know. And uh, it, I don't know. It's just it was different. It was definitely different, um, you know, just, just being a part of the Red Sox for a while and – and then all of a sudden, just kind of being being gone, like in a day, and it was uh, you know it was just kind of a weird thing too. I celebrate with the guys the day before, like I hit my ten year mark the day before, so I, it was like we had this big celebration, and then like the next day, like hey, you're you're traded. They're like, you want to meet with the team again? I was like, no, we just we just did a thing yesterday. I just you know so seemed like like the whole team came by my suite and said bye. You know it was uh it's kind of something like that, but uh you know it was just a it was, it was pretty much a shock, you know, uh, but wasn't wasn't as hard at the time as I I think it I realized it was later on. Well, you just said it that how bizarre it was. The whole team came by my suite. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm pretty sure we broke a lot of COVID rules that day. But uh, well, correct. You know, it's, it's whatever. Yeah, listen, ten years. That's awesome. I mean, I honestly yeah. like we were so we were so like zoned in on trade deadline and COVID and on Zoom calls, like like the fact that that came and went, like, cause usually we're around, you get the cake, right? You get the cake for the 10 year anniversary. Right. right. So I hope at least you got a cake. <laughs> oh yeah. They did a cake and I mean, they did a bunch of gifts for me. It was, it was awesome. You know, they did a, they did, I mean, guys stood up and talked like it was, it was a throwdown for, for a 10 year deal. That's awesome. But, That's awesome. Yeah, it was a good time. The, uh, <laughs> how many times you, you, re, you, Signed with the Red Sox, what three times? Three times. That's, yeah. oh, that's great. I love that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which was See, that's another thing. Yeah. Like going into this year, I, I wasn't worried about like free agency. Hell, I've done it. You know, four times now. I did it three times with the Red Sox, and then signed with Oakland that last year. Like, I, I mean, I knew like I was at peace knowing there was no clue what was going to happen. Mm. You know, like I just, it didn't, I wasn't really worried too much about it. Just, you know, I mean, I was, I'm older, so I had to just worry about trying to get ready. And if, if somebody came and it was the right opportunity, you know, look at doing that. But, uh, otherwise, like I said, just kind of hang out, hang out with the family and stuff. But, so. but you, but if I remember right, when you signed those deals, I know it's another time, but you know, you did it early, man. Like you did it early in the off season, didn't you? The, uh, the first two, 
I guess considered the way the game's moving now, I did them earlier. Yeah, yeah. yeah they were both in like December. Okay. The last one I signed like a week before spring training, okay. which was the 2020 year. That's right. Okay. All right. The And the biggest question is I can't think about you in spring training in Red Sox without thinking what happened to the boat. <laughs> the boat. You, yeah, in case people don't know, you had a boat. And, oh, yeah. and, and, wow. uh, and, and, in the lake back, uh, back in the jet blue park in the, in the pond there. Right. Am I remembering? Right. Yeah. Right. So, so the story of that was when I first got there, I was like, where are we fishing? And everybody's like, I don't know. They said Wade Miley had one back there. So I went back and looked that first year and it was still back there. So I fished out of Wade Miley's boat. <laughs> well, the next year I got there that boat was gone <laughs> so i needed a boat i went and bought another one and from bass pro over there and uh yeah i, I did a lot of fishing back there um, is the boat still I, there I can promise you this yeah i don't know it might be i can promise you this i caught way more fish out of that lake than i hit balls into it <laughs> tell you that right now <laughs> It was some pretty good fishing back there. <laughs> that was, I think, I want to say that it went back to uh, maybe a Mr. Bemmer and the Cody Ross got the boat. I don't know the initial boat, but yeah, it's it's good. It's it's that's good. Spring training was a good time. <laughs> oh good yeah, time. yeah. Florida, Florida spring training, and me with a fishing pole fit really well together. So, well, listen. I mean, you're one of the best, and uh, and we, uh, you're, you know, the Red Sox fans will always. You know, have a place for you. So it's. Uh, I hope everything works out like you hope it does, and because uh, you deserve it. Well, I appreciate it, Rob. And it was a it was a blast being there, man. And uh, you know, who knows? Might uh, you never know what's gonna happen. But uh, it's definitely uh, it was definitely an honor playing there and, and getting to know you and 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 the media guys as well. It's just uh, it was all around class act for us. All right, Coop, you listen to it. What do you got? Pure nostalgia. If I could just streamline nostalgia right now, that'd be that interview. Let me tell you, just right to the vein. Right. <laughs> I mean, just hearing him, and it, I'll, I know you're going to ask me for my, my top three or whatever, but just hearing him talk about like how much he misses. Not, he didn't say the word miss, but how well, much he, he said. Like, he, he said Boston was his favorite place, which yeah. is like slapping the face of people from Texas and Oakland right. and San Diego. You, uh, you, win a, you win a World Series and you start talking that well, way. Well, he also, like. also, as we point out, I mean, he signed here three times. Three times. I forgot all about that. When I heard that, I kind of like, I did have to do the search on that. Yeah. Just oh, because, yeah. Because like, I, I, for some reason, I just remember him being on like one giant contract while he was. Can here. I tell you what? It should be four times. It, sh- it should have been. It should have been four times. No disrespect to Travis Shaw. But. No, no. I mean, Brad Show Hall of Famer. No, you know, like they, if they could have both been on the team, but you know, if, if it didn't work out with Shaw, I'm kind of surprised. And I know they're riding with Franchi, whatever. He walks a lot. Super. Um, <laughs> we like Franchi, um, but but still, like it is amazing that Mitch Moreland sort of sitting there. It's not like you know. It's not like he's 50 years old. You know, he's, no. he's still spry. He's still conservative purpose. And, and like, he, he's still like, to me, like his skill set is perfect for exactly what the Red Sox were looking for, which was a left-handed compliment to Bobby Dahlbeck. That's it's, one of the, honestly, Coop, that's one of the reasons I wanted to talk to him. Like, like it, it made 
as this went along, I'm thinking, like, is Mitch Moreland playing for somebody? Like, why isn't anyone mentioning Mitch Moreland? Now, you you didn't get to it in the interview, but as far as you know, had any teams really reached out to him? Or well, that's false. First of all, that's a false statement. Oh. He he absolutely does say no one reached, no one showed any interest in him. Like he, he so said I that. so I heard that and I kind of took that as like no one was really like giving him serious looks, but I I didn't realize that he meant like absolutely no one was speaking to well, him. Well, I mean, I would I wouldn't be surprised because Travis Shaw said only the Red Sox, they were the only team that responded reached out to him. He snatched it up and went ran with it. I mean, this was sort of what these guys were doing. And you know, I think before you go on about your takeaway or whatever, besides the nostalgia thing, you know, I thought that that his most listen, he talked about his, you know, what him wanting to play, and you know how it's the same thing. It was like Brock Holt was talking. It was the same thing, right? I want to play, but I'm having fun with the kids. I'm mowing my lawn. It's great, all of that, but. The part that he was like loaded for bear to talk about was the clubhouse stuff. Like he was like, you know, when when you're talking about how teams aren't prioritizing the clubhouse, they're prioritizing the maybe might be potential of the players and their performance, but not the clubhouse, not the glue guys. No. Like Brock Holt said the same thing on the podcast. And Mitch Moreland, I think, took it to another level in, in sort of his response to it. Hey, but if a guy can, you know, have a batting average above 200 in the months of August and September against right-handed pitchers late in the game, maybe they're worth it. You would think. Maybe. I mean, the, like the, again, the, I, the projection, this, this is a topic for another day, but it really yep. is. The projection thing is, is more than ever. And, and when, when you could hear it. And Moreland, when he's talking, I mean, he's pissed about it. Like, he's he sees this going the other way. And he saw this going the other way when he was playing, when he was a glue guy, when he was in the clubhouse. And, probably, and to pro- add to that, yeah. oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, but I'm just saying. You're on a roll. It probably, because it probably stings more now that he's sitting there and and not with a team and, and seeing this. It's not knowing that he can play and also knowing that he can be part of the fabric of a winning team. So, and, you know, honestly, he never mentions Red Sox by, by name, but it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to look at the Red Sox roster and what they need or what they have needed and say, well, why haven't you picked up the phone and called this guy? Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. Anyway. And I wonder if that's like a, it's a Dave Dombrowski and that this is no, me just like picking at anything. No, if it's a Dave no, it's Dombrowski. It's a Bloom. It's Heim Bloom. It does. Well, no, that's what I mean. Like, Mitch Moreland was a Dave Dombrowski guy. Is it Heim yeah. more so wanting to shape something around the team that he wants? Yeah, I mean, I think that he looks at it as as I'll take my chances with the Franchi Cordero because the potential. Also, listen, I mean, they invested a lot in Franchi Cordero and Benintendi. So, but uh, the potential of it, the upside of it, all of that, you know what Mitch Moreland is. You have a pretty good idea what Mitch Moreland is. Um, but you know, that's the way they're going. That's usually the way they're going. And you know what? It's not only Mitch Moreland, it's other guys as well. Once again, I mean, we've had, now we've had two guys on in the same sort of in the same boat here, you know, Brock Holt and Mitch Moreland. Are so we the, it seems like we're the, 
we're the ones that's always in the middle there. Maybe we're we, the well, ones that they I don't mean, want to I touch. feel like I feel like the Bradford show is bucking the trend and prioritizing past performance and glue guys and clubhouse character over. I mean, if we were to build a team with the guys that we took, we're all we're, we're listen. We're all about clubhouse character. We're we're a pennant. We're probably one guy away from a pennant race. I'll say it. I mean, I mean, neither the one guy. I think we're running away at first place. We got it. Yeah. Well, I mean, up the again, I mean, we. I think we prioritize the clubhouse guys. You know, Benellis, clubhouse guy, right? Yep. yep. Big time clubhouse guy. He got Bro- all. He got all the ones down in uh, Greenville to dance for him. Right. Exactly. Brock the Holt. Glue. Brock Holt, clubhouse guy. Yep. Who else we got? I was going to say Strom, but I don't know if Strom would. No, really Strom's a clubhouse guy, <laughs> absolutely. Like Avaldi, uh, Avaldi, clubhouse guy. Xander, Xander, clubhouse, clubhouse guy. guy. Yeah, I mean Dahlback. I mean he's struggling, but we believe in him. Yeah, clubhouse I mean, guy. He so oh. out, sh- a little shout out to to our our guy and your former co host Steve. He had brought up on the uh, on his show that Dahlback is probably like the only player be batting below 200 and just routinely gets his name chanted at Fenway Park. <laughs> That's fair. Which, I mean, I don't understand how that happens, but it's blue guy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, ch- the chance might be, yeah. <laughs> might be for something else. Might be for something else. Yeah. But James Paxton, clubhouse guy. Yep. Right, absolutely. So you bring, you bring maple syrup. He's not a glue guy. He's a maple syrup guy. No, but listen, you can have the Tom Brady's of the world who's going to sponsor the Uggs and the Alfa Romeos. We're going to get the guy who's going to sponsor the maple syrup. Alfa Romeo? Is that your luxury car? Alfa Romeo. He, that's one of Tom Brady's like first sponsorship deals. Alfa is Romeo. It still? I mean, he's a he's a Mercedes guy probably. Alfa now. Romeo is out. like better than Mercedes. Where have you been? What's wrong with uh, you? Not if we're talking F1. Oh, <laughs> anyway, you got anything else from this interview? I didn't even do anything yet from this interview. Oh, you said what did you say? You said something. The nostalgia. Nostalgia. Uh, I'll keep it short. But like the number one thing was him saying um, the highlight of highlight so far of his career when he was talking about the World Series and everything. And the key thing of for him saying in that all of that was highlight of his career so far. He's not done yet, which I love to hear. And as much as he was talking about like mowing the grass and you know going <laughs> fishing, it's and everything. so bizarre that he like he's like of all the things he picked. And I'm getting to mow the grass. I mean, that's a dad. It's a stereotypical dad thing. He was just like, he was like, I get to coach like baseball now. You know, like I'm hanging out with the kids and I get to cut grass. Yep. Which I'm I'm sure on his estate is probably a whole lot of grass and he'll get tired of it fast. Well, he had a great line also about fishing. He's like the spring training in Florida, like in, in me in a fishing pole and all lines up or something like that. Like the, but, uh, I caught more fish or more fish came out of that. Well, pond uh, that's the thing. That, that's like who like who buys a boat? Like the fact that no, like I guarantee you, none of the reporters knew there was a boat back there. Like you, there was a there's a boat in in back of field five. It's probably because the players want to keep it that way. So they oh, can get well, the P's and Q's. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So anything else was going on? Nothing. I'll, I mean, I'll cap it at that just because it's a late night. The Sox just disappointed all of us. Chris yeah. Cotillo warned me, warned me against doing the, the Twitter spaces. And 
Why? What? Well, what do you do? Did I, you, I did you have so to pay did, two? Did you have to pay two hundred and fifty bucks to do that? To take his class. To take his class for him to no, warn you. No, no, no. I just tweeted out. I did it a couple times where um I did a Twitter Spaces, just like people come in and talk. And um first time I did it, Red Sox blew a lead and ended up losing the game. Second time I did it was tonight. Uh, okay. Game two against the Braves. So um good track record so far. That's okay. Again, you're a good clubhouse guy. Hey, glue guy. Glue guy. Uh, I like, I did like the, the, we broke some COVID rules that day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like the, the image of like the, the party that they had for the day before he gets traded, the party that they have for reaching 10 years, which is the pension, which is a big deal for these guys, huge deal. So they have us party and they basically cram into a suite break all kinds of COVID rules, and then he gets traded. And they're like, do you want guys to come up? He's like, no, why would I want to do that? We just had a party yesterday. Do you, so, know, what, do you know which suite he was in? L12. I don't know. I don't know. I, like, hey, maybe you, you've you got a weird brain. You've, you get I you do have some stuff brain. up there. No, you might have pulled it, it out. It is, it is, it is, uh, it is bizarre. Maybe. I mean, that was like so bizarre. Like the whole, like the, the guys are living in, in suites with, somebody else can you uh, imagine if that was found out during uh that season oh i'm sure there's a lot of there was a sh- lot of covid yeah rule breaking yeah. going on but, i mean like people would have lost their heads on that oh uh, <laughs> well, yeah they all stared up there and they they all crammed in for the 10-year anniversary party that's okay it was a good story and that's all we want but also you know i i you know he wants to play but I don't think he's going to be broken. I, I think he's like, again, like he's like, hold. He's he frust- seemed like he was very, like he came. He's frustrated. Well, yeah, but I think he's frustrated. I think he's, there is definitely like, he's coming to terms with it because, you know, he's got all this other stuff going on, mowing the grass and coaching the little league team. But at the same time, you know, when, when he sees and, and hold said this, you know, I look at these teams and I get frustrated because I'm like, I should be helping these teams. I got the same sense from Mitch Moreland. Like oh, in, definitely. In one of those teams probably is, without him mentioning it, is probably the Boston Red Sox. Big time could have used him tonight. Well, I think, yeah. I mean, tonight? Tonight? <laughs> or, well, game two. Game every two night. Of, like, every, yeah. like, it was, that's the role. Like, it's just, again, it's baffling to me that the phone has not been picked up by now. But if it's not picked up by now, it's not going to be picked up because Francie's sitting there walking like crazy. And, and, and then you have Tristan Cassis in a month and you're on your way. Um, so you, let's whoa, 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 whoa. Tristan Cassis in a month. How much are you willing to put on that? I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I watched West today. I'm not yet. Not, not ready to roll. Go down. Not ready road. yet. No, so uh, this can also obviously this is we're doing this immediately after the, another walk off loss for the Red Sox. Uh, obviously, I think that the, what everyone's yelling and screaming about will be the blown call by the umpire. Terrible call. We Adam all know Beck. it. Plowacki, your guy Plowacki. You know he should have been should have been ball four. Should have walked in a run. Should have taken the lead. Instead, he gets thrown out. Cora gets thrown out. Blah, yada, yada, yada. Brian Brazier gives up a home run. So, yeah. 
So I have a question for you, because I know that there's I know when I turn on the dial to WEI tomorrow, there's going to be maybe some caller that's just like Corshin and got tossed out of the game because that ruins the whole game. Plan. You really think that's going to happen? Yes, there are so really many think, idiots. In the, there are so many no, idiots. But in you, you really think that they're going to talk about baseball long enough for that? To oh, happen? Celtics, Celtics blew their lead. So, yeah, there's yeah, no way it, that. Yeah. Anyway. But I know that there's some idiots out there that's, that are going to have NFL schedule release. Also, it's not happening. Go ahead. But um. Just like the whole like, hey, I'm a big fan of course sticking up for his guy in that spot. Not so much about a week ago last weekend when Story got tossed. I, course, sticking up for his guy. That was a bad point for Story to pick a fight. I think, but um, in this instance, like, I think that's something that the team can rally behind. It didn't tonight, but there are people that are going to be like, well, there's no game plan heading into like the ninth, and like that's the situation well, where you don't Corey think needs Corey to be is like telling exactly. What to do? I mean. He's either in the tunnel or it's very scripted out what's going to happen. Uh, yeah. Well, ready. yes, it's either or. That's yeah. not even a, it's not even a doubt. I mean, and, and none of that, that was like all of what happened lines up with what Core has been saying anyway, including, by the way, I think on EI early in the day. These are the two guys that he was, he wanted to cite as, as guys that felt like could pitch at the end of the game with Strom and Schreiber. So he goes with Strom and Schreiber the most important times. They feel like right now Brazier's the number three guy. He doesn't get it done. But none of that, the way that that unfolded, surprised me. No. 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 And, and, you know, it just comes back to, you know, yeah, it's the same deal, man. Like, it's the same deal. It's like, yeah, you, you gave up another walk-off. You would have lost in extra innings anyway. But you only scored three runs, and, and two of those three runs were in the first inning on, on the Trevor Story home run, right? Yeah. And, so, and that's the thing is you you would hope that the team would kind of rally behind. In in the olden boy, days when you, you had glue guys, <laughs> when you are. had glue guys. I know. I mean, like, I I think a manager getting tossed I, is supposed I love, to be, like, I something love, you rally behind. I, I love, I love like, your, your bright-eyed naivete. I love it. I, you no one's rallying it. around anybody. You don't think in that clubhouse, you think? What? Or, or well, any no, yeah, they want to win. Sure. But it's like, like you don't in baseball. It's not like you rally around something. Like you don't think he, you get motivated by anything. I mean, you talk to these guys a lot more than yeah, I do. Right. If you, if you know what happens, you start swinging the pitches that you shouldn't have because you're too amped up. Like it's, I, I, I don't think this team is failing because of lack of effort or intention. I, that, I don't think that's the problem. Now, if they're like sort of sleepwalking through things and not paying attention and not looking at scouting reports and then, oh, hey, wait a second, you know, we got to rally around our manager. We got to start paying. Sure. Okay. But that isn't the case. I don't think. So the game is so far beyond that at this point, which I would agree with, but is if that's not the case, so does that now go to the maybe like the baseball ops department? Like, who is to blame? We're gonna dive into this. Who's to blame for this? Like, why aren't these players like either a prepared for like scouting reports or for any pitchers that come? Well, they, they are. It's it's dude. It, like you know, you're so a they're just not player. good. Then. You're a baseball player. It's like when you get into these modes where you're like getting to ruts. Like Kike Hernandez was the best player in the world. How long, how many months ago? Whatever the, you know, in the like last six month. months ago, right. In October of last year, like the best player in the world, you are going to find a better baseball player. 
And then now you have a guy whose OPS is in the 400s. Like you can't, who can't buy a hit. And so it's, it's not like this guy, like all of a sudden forgot how to play baseball. He's like, he, his muscle memory and his like, you know, he's in a rut. He's in a rut now. But how like, do we get out of that rut? That is the golden question. I mean, like, who who does it fall on? Is it on well, the players? And, well, is it I mean, the- they got in ruts last year, and then you got out. The problem is, is that here's your answer, young Coop, is that yeah, you have to have in baseball. There's nine. Last time I checked, there's nine guys who hits right. That's you can have guys. You can guys. You can have guys in ruts, but you need to have fewer guys in ruts then you actually have guys who are, are not in ruts. And that's exactly what happened last year. Like they had guys in ruts all over the place. Dahlbeck started off slow. But Kike there were other guys to slow. pick them up. There were tons of guys picking them up. I mean, you had like six guys with OPS of 800 or more. So, and now you don't have that. You don't have but that. A lot of the lineup hasn't changed. Which right, like, but, I think that's probably the most play, frustrating thing ruts, for fans. Because they're in ruts. Yeah. But I, I, I feel like I feel you like did. it's getting like when you get to like a month, the rut kind of becomes a little bit more than a rut. Right. It's and you start it, have to like looking at like, well, hey, we have the, like all the same players. So is it the players like being no, prepared in the spring training? Is it no, the players, it's, like, it's, it's it's the players. Listen, the players, you know, whether it's the way they're approaching things, whether it's how they have evolved as a, as a player, like you don't always get like usually you play the back of your baseball card. But you don't always play the back of your baseball card, and now it, if it piles up, and then that and that's why these guys—that's why Core's running out these lineups that aren't that different. Because in 162 games, like you have to basically trust that you are going to end up playing to the back of your baseball card. That's it. And by the way, you've got to get on the phone to Nate right after this and do like 2022 Red Sox. We love our ruts, or we something. Love our ruts. There has to be some rut talk. What the rut? <laughs> eh? not bad initially it was good and then i thought about it eh, that's good what the right what the right what the right what the right you say it enough times it sticks it does <laughs> all right i don't really know what else to say man about this game i'm just i'm just like i'm just just flushed with excitement over the mitch moreland interview the mitch right. moreland is like it's very nice to have after like what we just did what other people just, I felt like sure that would be refreshing. I felt like that's how I was like with Eddie Romero talking about Miguel blaze. Oh, like it's good, like, here's, here's, here's your next one. Soto. Here you go. Red Sox fans. Here's your next one. Soto. There you go. That's a big promise, but I'm, I know, but you I'm, I'm going to be paying attention now. That's the <laughs> thing. I know if they only televised those games, they didn't go to the beach today. I saw that. They did. Yeah. Yeah, Bianca Smith tweeted out uh, the, their trip to the beach. A little field trip? Yeah, we got to take a field trip. You know what? We are taking a field we trip. Are. I was about Let's to say, coming go. soon. Oh, All very right. excited for that. I mean, I don't even want to announce it yet. Keep, so, keep it under wraps. Keep a week, wraps. a week, let's just say a week from Monday, oof, Chicago is going to be turned on its ear. Ooh. Chicago. Yeah. Chicago? I've never been. Yeah. Only, well, only stopped. Only stop for we're going to we're going to ruin it for you because you'll never have a better experience than you're going to have when we I'm just going to I'm going to stay in Chicago when we take when we take the show on the road to Chicago. It's going to be great. So uh, and and by the way, speaking of which, congratulations to Joe Kelly for his return. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. The, yep. the ambassador of baseballs and boring. Um, all right. Okay. Well, thank you for uh, your insight of the Mitch Moreland interview, your mm-hmm. optimism when it comes to uh, the human nature of baseball players Some, and, how, hey. and, and how they want to win it for their manager. <laughs> Rob, what are the three words that you always see me tweet? Uh, Jemai like Webster is handsome. That is true. I, I, I don't know if I tweeted those. Exact I was words, actually texting him. I was, I was his motivation today. I was building him up. Left and building right. him up. Yeah. He, he, he was down. He was down on himself. He, he felt like he had a couple bad hits. I said, no, man, here's a picture of you with a baseballs and boring t-shirt looking handsome as ever. A couple yeah. bad hits. We, we watched that, uh, that pitch live. That was, that was money. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So good. So, um, yeah. What do you tweet? What did I tweet? Positive vibes only, man. Oh, there you go. Come on. Okay. Yeah, I know. And you know what? I tell you what. I know that when I came down with COVID, you were motivated to do an even better job. Yeah. <laughs> oh. All right. All right. All right. Uh, Till next time.